Well, good evening, everybody. Everyone doing good tonight? Merry Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. All right, you guys. Well, I want to share with you a message tonight that I believe will be uh, helpful and beneficial. So, ready for it? Okay, I hope you come ready to hear a word. And, and, and I want to look at Matthew chapter 1, Matthew the first chapter today. And how many remember the radio guy, Paul Harvey? What was he famous for, for telling us? The rest of the story. That's what I'm going to tell you tonight. The rest of the story. All right, We're, we are very familiar with Mary and Joseph and the inn and Bethlehem and the manger and the angels, the shepherds, the star, the wise men that came a little bit later and, and all these good things and worthy of talking about again and again and again. But I want to hit the, the Christmas story here from a little bit different angle, give you some, give you a little, uh, back, backstory, if you will, so, some details. And I say the rest of the story, it's not like they're not in scripture. They are, but oftentimes we read right over certain things in the, in the Bible when we do read. And many times there's some very powerful truths there that can impact us in a very big way. And so in Matthew chapter 1, uh, we see some more of this story. Again, it's often overlooked because it's in the genealogies. How many love the genealogies? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, I just love to meditate on those and, and, and try to pronounce the names, and right? Well, we're going to read them. Well, at least some of them tonight. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. It reads, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Everybody say Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Everybody say Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Say Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Everybody say her, her. who had been the wife of Uriah. Who had been the wife of Uriah. Yeah, you can do it. Huh? Say the whole thing. <laughs> All right, I had you repeat now and, and make mention of of four specific people here, all right? These are four women that probably most of us haven't given a whole lot of thought to, but there they are. Right at the beginning of Matthew, stuck in the middle of, you know, Aminadab and, and, uh, and all these other guys, uh, we've got these four women mentioned that are very interesting when you take a look at who they were and their lives. Most Christians don't get too excited about these kind of scriptures. We typically skim over them. But in their day, I want you to consider this, in their day, women did not exactly have uh, high positions in society. It was not uncommon uh, for women in their day to not be even in these type of listings of the genealogy. And 
as a general rule, women didn't have a lot of rights in those societies. They were basically the possessions of either their fathers or their husbands. And yet, in the middle of this, we see this. It was common among a Jewish male, as part of his regular morning prayers, for him to say something like this to God. He would say, I thank you that I was not born a Gentile, meaning a non-Jew. I was not born a slave. And you ready? <laughs> and I was not born a woman. That, 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 was the, that was the culture. That was the way they viewed these things. And, and for Matthew to include them, now in the genealogy here that led to Jesus is quite unusual and very impressive at the same time. Uh, consider these four women, all ancestors of Jesus, that Matthew was inspired by the Lord to include in his gospel. I want to give you a few facts about each of them. Okay, Tamar, Tamar, she's from Genesis 38, but uh, this woman was married to one of the sons of Judah. Her husband died, leaving her childless. She married his brother, according to the customs of their day, that's the, how they would do that. Uh, he also died, leaving her childless. So uh, Judah told her to wait for his youngest son, but he really had no intention of them marrying. Probably by this time he thought she was bad luck or something because all his sons die when they marry her. But Tamar then posed as a prostitute, had a sexual encounter with Judah, her father-in-law, and another of Jesus' ancestors, a guy named Perez, was born of this illicit act. All right, way to go, Tamar. Come on, let's give it a shout for Tamar. There she is in the list. Hmm. What about Rahab? Some of you are familiar, you've heard, heard the name Rahab. She was a Canaanite woman and a prostitute in Jericho, okay? Uh, however, she came to recognize Jehovah as the true God. Uh, she saved the Hebrew spies, and through faith, she found favor and became a part of God's covenant people. Remember, she let down the rope in the wall and helped the Israelite spies before they did the march around the walls and they came down. But she was a, a heathen, but she recognized the reality of God. She became a believer. She even said, the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on the earth. And, uh, you know, that scarlet cord that she let down the wall is considered and viewed by many people to be a, a type and a shadow of Jesus and of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. But she is also now, consider her beginning, you know, as the prostitute and so forth, but she is also listed in Hebrews 11. I mean, there's some big dogs in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter. That's the people we look up to and say, they did it right. They believed God. God was pleased with them. And their Rahab is right in the middle of it because she pleased God with her faith. She then uh, later married an Israelite, became an ancestress not only to Jesus, but according to the traditions of the ra Jewish rabbis, that uh, basically several prophets, including Jeremiah, came through her bloodline. Interesting. All right. What about Ruth? What about Ruth? Ruth is another, uh, another person listed here. She was a woman of Moab. Now, the Moabites, they were despised. They were an outcast people. They had their, their origin. If you, again, read some of the Old Testament uh, scriptures, they had their origin through incest when Lot, remember Abraham's cousin, nephew, excuse me, nephew Lot, two daughters got their father drunk and became pregnant by him. 
That's the start of these two races. Well, the Moabites and the, and the Ammonites. And uh, Deuteronomy 23 verse 3 says, An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. All right. And so, although not a part of the commonwealth of Israel, Ruth displayed courageous love and unshakable loyalty and eventually became the great-grandmother of King David. And there she is in the lineage of Jesus. And when he was born in Bethlehem, it was due in part to Ruth. And the last one of the four women, remember she which had been the wife of Uriah, What's her name? Her name is Bathsheba. Bathsheba. All right. Now, this was the woman that David, when he, when he fell, he had an adulterous affair with her before he put her, her husband Uriah to death. And then after marrying David, she became the mother of Solomon. Ever heard of Solomon? Pretty smart guy. Wise guy. Uh, uh, Solomon, and like these other women, now she's listed in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. Now, again, this is very interesting because these women were either outcasts or they were outsiders at the very at the very minimum. Um, they had either engaged themselves in very shameful activities or uh, or had a shameful backgrounds as far as where they came from. And what's amazing is that in this writing, Matthew never tried to cover this up. He, he could have just left them out. I mean, do you have to mention everybody? <laughs> he just kind of, he didn't leave them out, though it was not common in the custom of the day to put people, let alone these kind of people, let alone those who could, you know, kind of look like uh, a stain on the family background and family history, yet he didn't try to candy coat this at all. He put them right in there where they're supposed to be, and uh, he, he didn't include some other people he could have as far as people in the you know honorable people like Sarah like Rebecca and different Old Testament women who were women of honor who deserved you know you might think they might naturally get some mention uh, in the scripture he didn't put them in there but these women were and you, you wonder why okay possibly well we know I, I mean I, I believe this is inspired that Matthew wrote and, he, and, and spoke and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to include the details that we have. Why might that be? Well, maybe the Lord wants us to get a glimpse of his character, of his mercy, and of his love and his ability to turn people around. Maybe he wants to understand that it's not about where a person comes from, but where they're going. It's not about what they have done. It's about what they are doing now. And there is always an opportunity for redemption, for things to be turned around. And people may have come from the worst type of, of background, have committed horrible uh, sins or come from a, a, you know, a dishonorable family. But God loves us anyway. Isn't that right? You know, at Christmas we do a lot of things with, with Christmas trees or if you're a secularist, a holiday tree, excuse me whatever that is, <laughs> uh, we do a lot of things with trees and lights, and, and of course we, we give a lot of attention to the birth, which is what Christmas celebrates, the physical 
birth when God became man, the physical birth of the Lord Jesus. But how many know the ultimate message in all of this season is not just about a baby? It is not just about that we celebrate a baby that was born. But how many, because how many know if you stop there, well, you may have had a good story, you may have had some fun, but we missed the whole point. How many know the baby grew up? The baby kicked the devil's rear end. The, 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 the baby did some healings. The baby spoke the truth, set the captives free, forgave those, and, and didn't condemn those who were, uh, who, who were in sin, and ultimately went to the cross, suffered and died on your behalf and for me. He took the sin of the world, and he died. Like I said, he suffered and died. He was raised from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the real message. How many know, let's never stop at the baby. <laughs> let's never stop at the, at the manger. Let's never stop at the barn where he was born. Let's go ahead and move on over up to the throne and get this thing all finished. And now we have something to shout about. Thankful for his birth and the miraculous nature of the incarnation and how Jesus was born as, a, as God in the flesh. What a wonderful thing. But that was the beginning of what Jesus came to do to set all men free. All right. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 reads this way, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How many know He's not looking for a person who's got their act all together, for someone who's, who's just got, you know, lived a perfect life and they're completely holy and righteous in thought, word, and deed? No, He specializes in impossible situations and on turning people's lives around. I think that's some of the reason why we see some of these women as examples and even being in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. All throughout history, God has sought us. Even when our attitudes and actions were against Him, He was for us. When we were at our very worst, He gave us His very best. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us a little bit more about these very things. It reads in Ephesians 2 and verse 12, you were without Christ, what once we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Reading, you know, 12 through 14, 17 and 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him... We both have access by one Spirit to the Father. And so the message and the work of the Lord Jesus and what He did, how many know He came to break down a wall? He came to remove separation. The outsiders have become insiders. The rejected ones have become accepted. People who were put down have been lifted up. Those that were cast out have been brought in. And the forsaken have been embraced. This is the example, not only do we see with these women what we see, it was God's and is God's intent the whole time. Galatians chapter 3, let me read this to you from the, from the message. Anybody know about the message? It's a paraphrase. Anybody out there tonight? I know I'm talking fast and loud and, and that's to override all the kids' voices. How many kids are with me today? Say Amen. All right, little Johnny, (laughs) you're not seven anymore. (laughs) 
Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, the message reads this way. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? So what are we talking about here? How God takes someone who would be considered an outcast, a reject, someone who's on the outside. And that's the whole purpose of Jesus coming is to fix situations like that. He is the, he is the quicker fixer-upper. Come on, he's the ultimate turnaround guy. <laughs> to take someone who's going the wrong direction and turn them the right direction. And to bring good out of situations that have been very harmful and very ugly through life. Okay, throughout history, God has sought us. And now this barrier that we're talking about, no barrier between Jew and Gentile or between male and female or between sinner and saint. As Christians, we all get the same access to God. Praise God. Everyone who accepts him. Now, I know sometimes those those who have adapted their lifestyle and you more uh, reflect the life of God, the character of God, the goodness and kindness and love of God, and hopefully we're all going that direction more and more and reflecting that. Sometimes, maybe this isn't the case with you, but sometimes people become prideful. Sometimes people uh, get this sense of looking down their nose at those who aren't quite living right, those who quite aren't quite where they are, forgetting the fact that it wasn't too long ago and many were doing the exact same things that they you know, look look down on others for doing. Uh, there was a, a minister who was getting in a an elevator one day, and uh, uh, he was standing there in the elevator, and, and three drunk guys came in and got in the elevator with them, and they were being obnoxious and cussing all kinds of stuff, and they, uh, you know, smelled like a whatever a brewery. Yeah, thanks, uh, and uh, and all this stuff, and he started to get a little bit of an attitude towards them on the inside, thinking. You know, I can't believe these guys are acting like this. You know, and the fact is that he used to act the same way. He had come from a similar background, was involved in all this stuff. And while he was having this little bit of attitude about how they were acting, the Spirit of God, thank God for the Holy Ghost, amen, the Spirit of God spoke up to him on the inside and said, the only difference between between you and them is me. Huh? I think that's a revelation for all of us to remember when we think, and we look down on people who are doing wrong. It is Jesus that has changed our lives and made us different. We can have hope today realizing that if God can embrace and use people like Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, then God can certainly use and embrace us. We can look through Scripture and look through history and we see, we see one of the great men of God was Moses. But didn't at one time he kill a man? Didn't he murder someone? And yet he was the most used person of God in his generation later on. Peter denied Christ. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, committed great sin persecuting the church and doing wrong to those who were followers of Christ. He said over here in, in 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, for, this is New Living Translation here. New Living, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16, Paul wrote this. He said, how thankful I am to Christ, Jesus our Lord, for considering me worthy or trustworthy and appointing me to serve him, even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. 
but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. How many know one of the strategies the enemy wants to use against you, against me, against people, is the strategy of condemnation, the strategy of shame. He, uh, these, these emotions, these feelings that exist in people's lives oftentimes drive them away from God and not to them. But he wants to make you feel lousy, feel like a good for nothing, feel like you're unworthy. And, and you know, in the, re- in the real sense, I realize we are unworthy, but because of Jesus, we become worthy again. But the strategy of the enemy is to drive you down. And, and people who have a, have a, you know, a shaky past or flat out blatantly ugly past, done some very wrong things or come from a bad family, come from a wrong place. I want to encourage you today. Don't let the, don't let the feelings of condemnation and shame and guilt drive you away because the Lord wants to wash it away. He wants to turn things around for you today. Amen? It's amazing that even when many people who have been abused, people who have been taken advantage of, so often in life, you know, even as young children, so often they feel guilty about that. Even though they did nothing wrong, they carry this sense of guilt and condemnation throughout their lives. They, they somehow internalize the things that were done to them and it, they live with this shame and guilt. But if anything, we should see the message here of people that did deserve it, people that didn't deserve, a, a, you know, credit and, and, and recognition, especially in the lineage of Jesus, there they are, inspired by God, a record for all time for us to see them and see a person that came from a bad place, but God turned their life around. And so Satan desires to shame us over the things that we have done. And we know that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary And he was born of a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But naturally speaking, Jesus had a lineage, a genealogy that wasn't so good. And he highlighted four people in particular, which was very uncommon. Jesus didn't come from a perfect line of people. He did not come into a perfect world to save a perfect people. He came from a lineage of imperfect, fallen people. He came into a world of sinners to save them, to break down the wall of separation, and to make us all the same, to make us all one in Him, one in forgiveness, one in righteousness, one in in acceptance. And thank God, Romans chapter 8, Romans the 8th chapter in the first verse says, there is therefore now, anybody know, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good, I like that. What is there? No condemnation. Zero condemnation. Well, what about those who've done wrong? They certainly need to be condemned, not if they're in Christ. 
because the reality of this, Jesus was born. Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He took on the mantle. He fulfilled his role, and he became our shame. He became our condemnation. He took these things as a substitute. So today, if you're not right with him, you can be. And if you have received and been made right with God, you should live without condemnation, without guilt, without a, without a sense of, of sin or inferiority, but recognize that the love of God is a constant toward you. His favor and kindness is a constant. It never lets up. It doesn't fluctuate from day to day, but his forgiveness remains the same. And you and I can always look to him and see that he's smiling on us because of what Jesus has done. Praise God. Are you glad for that today? Amen. So that is the rest of the story. It's important for us to realize there are some powerful things that we can see when we, when we, when we look at some of the so many times overlooked scriptures and little intricate details. We find that's exactly where I live right there. That's something I can understand and relate to. And that's something, that's a message that God wanted us to get. Praise God. Pray with me today. Father, we're so thankful. We're so glad for you. We're so glad for your love and your mercy toward us, your kindness toward all of us who would believe. Father, I, I'm certain today, knowing through, through these verses, knowing through other things, that there is not a person here that escapes your love, that escapes your desire to be with. There is not a person that is outside of your reach. But Father, your love is extended toward all. Father, your mercy and your kindness are available to everyone. And today, we open our hearts with gladness and with thankfulness. We celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we celebrate his victory over death. And thank you, Lord, that he did that for us. We're not going to be too proud and say, I don't deserve it. I can't have this. But, Lord, we humble ourselves and say, yes, we receive. We're loved. We're accepted. We are embraced. We are established. We are set on a course of righteousness. No matter where we've been, no matter what has happened, today we stand righteous, holy, and pure before you in Christ. For this we're thankful. For this we give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good.